What's your story? Whether you're a client or an independent financial advisor, we know you face many important decisions that can affect your and your clients' long-term financial success. Welcome to the WIN Podcast. What's important now with Corey Hymanson, accredited investment fiduciary and president of Hymanson Wealth Advisors. In this podcast, Corey helps you identify your goals and objectives through financial education and comprehensive planning, while inspiring you to make better behavioral decisions in your personal finance. With a twist on pop culture and current events, join us as we explore growth and protection strategies for individuals, advisors, and their businesses. Come and discover what's important to you now. Hello, and welcome to the Win Podcast with Corey Hymanson. Corey, I know you've got a great guest in studio today. I'm so excited to hear what you guys are talking about. Take it away. Thanks, Eric. Good to see you. And yeah, I'm fired up today. You know, I've had a lot of feedback from uh, listeners that they like guests. So apparently they either like guests or they're tired of listening to me by myself. So, you know, you do what the listeners want, right? So longtime friend of mine, his name's Caleb Montag. Uh, he's actually a financial advisor. So I'm bringing somebody inside the circle and we're just going to have a conversation and have some good times. Uh, we're calling this Coach's Corner. So people can armchair quarterback us, but uh, we're going to throw some things out there. So I'm going to say hello to Caleb. Hey, Corey. Thanks for having me here. Hey, you bet. Appreciate you coming in today, and why don't we just start off, whatever introduction you'd like to throw or put on yourself, your open mic. Sure. Well, like like you said, my name is Caleb Montag, and I grew up right here in Rock Rapids, Iowa, where you've been practicing for... Ever. Well, forever. Forever. Forever, <laughs> yeah. We, we don't have to name them on a year, so yeah, I grew up right here in Rock Rapids, Iowa, currently reside in Sioux Falls, South Dakota with... My wife, Ellen, and our two-year-old son, and we also have a dog as well. So, uh, like you said, I'm a financial advisor like yourself and uh, a member of your firm's advisory council as well. Yeah, we're going to dig a little deeper into that down the road here. But first, I just want to address the elephant in the room. I'm sure there's listeners out there thinking, uh, geez, Corey, why would you bring in another advisor? Because they might do things differently than you. And, and, and that's cool because I know Eric always laughs when I use the skin the cat reference because we've done that before. <laughs> but uh, there are different ways to do things. And I want to educate people out there that, you know, that my way, while I think might be great, it might not be the only way to, to get to a destination. And, and when we refer to coaches or coaching, you know, and I've said that before too, that it doesn't matter if you're a golfer or you need healthcare assistance or a lawyer or legal work, you know, you, you go to somebody that can know their role and, and take care of things that are on the deeper end of the pool. And, and that's why I knew you'd be a good fit, Caleb, to uh, come in here and we'll, we'll maybe talk philosophy and theory and have a good time is kind of the plan. Yeah, that's, that sounds good. And, and I know, you know, obviously we run into some of the same crowd, just, just both of us having our roots from Rock Rapids. And when I bring up that we work together, I think it confuses people a lot too. You know, they don't quite, quite understand why or how, and, you know what, but but it's okay if they don't understand it. Really, it's um, more than people realize. I think our clients both benefit from the amount that you and I communicate, discuss ideas, and talk about different topics for sure. Yeah, and, and I guess I'd say this too. You you have a, a a young child, so you're in in a different phase of life than mine. Mine are all out of the house, and and so for the listeners out there that have never maybe seen us eye to eye, that means we're of different generations. So my expertise is different and. My skill set for for younger investors 
might be different than your outlook. And so it it's cool to have colleagues, I'll say, kind of in, a, in an advisory council type or a group organization where everybody's got a little different skill set or set of expertise. Definitely. And, and so, yeah, we'll... We'll go a little deeper in that that relationship because you're right. We do want to explain to listeners how we are independent advisors, but also kind of teamed up, kind of a next man up type approach. But uh, let's get a little deeper into you. How about uh, you got any hobbies or anything fun you like to talk about? <clears throat> yeah, you know, I I guess I'd say I'm a pretty avid outdoorsman hunter. Uh, my wife is also, so it's kind of a family deal with us and. We'll go out and hunt anything from deer to elk to pheasants and ducks and whatever. And, <laughs> and uh, actually, my my wife shot an elk a few years ago here. I didn't get to shoot one. So I, that's constantly hanging over my head that she killed an elk and I didn't. <laughs> but but uh, so I'd say hobbies, you know, that keeps us busy. Our two-year-old keeps us very busy. Um, and aside from that, you know, my wife and I are both business owners. And uh, so we... We stay pretty focused on on all of those deal, you know, things that we have going on with that. But um, yeah, that's. And I'll throw a spoiler in there too. Sometimes clients or investors, I think they feel that um, advisors, planners like us, are all about stock market or all about bond market. That that we're not about assisting a client with their business, whether it's a valuation thing or planning. Uh, and off the air, I know you, we were just talking, uh, you've got some cool tools that you use um, to assist mm-hmm. certain clients. I don't know if you want to go off yeah. on a tangent on that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So we have a lot of different tools that we use to to really help people just with organization of assets as well. You know, it's there, there's a lot more to what we do for clients than just looking at their investment portfolios and trying to make sure that that's all up to snuff. You know, I, I kind of like to think of what we do is positioning, at least at my firm, is positioning ourselves as the quarterback of their financial world. So, you know, ideally, we would like to be in touch with their CPA, their lawyers, their um, you know, state planning lawyers, uh, their bankers in, in certain situations. And um, it helps us be more proactive with everything that we do if if we can know all the details versus you know, uh, the worst case scenario, I think, is when we have to be reactive when uh, the CPA knew something that we didn't know and the result is not a desirable outcome. So along with that, I think it kind of goes along with the title of this podcast you call The Coach's Corner. And it's interesting when I set out, you know, out of high school, it's a long time ago also, but I didn't know which direction I wanted to go. And, but one field that always had my attention was teaching and coaching. And, um, I, I ended up at the university of Iowa did not get accepted to the teaching program. Um, because at the university of Iowa, everything's competitive. And so anyways, it, it was a turning point where I had to figure something out and ended up meeting, uh, my dad's cousin, Bill Montag, who was a financial advisor. Uh, my dad thought he was a CPA, which he wasn't, and I'm glad he wasn't. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad I'm an advisor and not a CPA, nothing against CPAs. But he asked me what my plans were, what I, where I thought I was going, and um, I put out there that I was interested in teaching and coaching, and he kind of smiled as if he already knew where I was going to go, and he said, why don't you work for me for a few months, and we'll see if you still want to teach. And um, you know what I learned really quickly from having him kind of take me under his wing into the industry was it's really what we do 
90% of the time is educate, teach, coach, uh, bring people to, you know, these ideas and, and strategies that will make them money, save them money, or however that all, you know, get them closer to their financial goals, essentially. So um, interesting that I think the title of the podcast definitely can align with our industry for sure. Yeah, th- there is so much to what we do. And, and I know I've hit some of those things before and Eric probably gets tired of me, but uh, it really comes down to, you know, let's say me. I can't know everything about everything, nor can Caleb or Eric or the next person down the street. But there are people that know a lot of things and can provide a lot of value in all kinds of categories. And and in theory, we could call them all coaches because they know something that we don't know or they know how to get the best out of us. Maybe that's the better way to explain that, that, that my clients or Caleb's clients, you know, they aren't perfect. Um, They don't necessarily do all the right things at the right time. They might still have some emotional lapses of judgment when it comes to investing or life or whatever. And, you know, you need somebody in your corner. And, and it's funny because Caleb and I kind of run two different types of business models, I guess I'd say. And, and, and I've talked about mine. You know, mine is, is probably more, I'm going I'm to say broad-based, meaning we assist clients from... Um, different asset levels, I guess is the best way to say that, where, um, and I'm not trying to speak for Caleb, I'll let him dig into this, but his is more of a, a specialized operation. I don't know if you, is that a fair sure, statement? Sure. Would you say that, that you, you've chosen, and kudos to you, you've chosen to maybe narrow your niche, mm-hmm. sort of, mm-hmm. which allows you to, like you said, gather more information, maybe go a little deeper. Right. Um, I'm guilty of, you know, certain clients, if they're early in the project and they don't have many tools in the toolbox, their plan maybe doesn't require as much time and energy from my staff when they're 22 years old, but down the line it will. So I'll I'll defer back to you a little bit on that one. Yeah. And I, you know, I I think we have the same intentions when we go out every day. And and maybe one thing where uh, that ends up being a little bit different is, geographically your office is located in a small town and in a small town you help everybody you know you can't tell someone well you just don't have enough money don't call me and um so i I think that's one thing that's special too is you know your office finds a way to help anybody whether they have five thousand dollars or five million dollars and um that that's definitely a cool thing too versus uh, like you said my office is is i refer to it as much more of a boutique type setting where um, it's really just me. That's who the clients are going to get in touch with. You know, we have some support, but, um, to help us with paperwork and things, but for the most part, they're going to deal with me. Um, they have my cell phone numbers. So if they have a, a question on a Friday night, they'll call me and, and sometimes they do. And, you know, for the most part, it doesn't bother me because I like, I don't want someone worrying about something all weekend. Right. Um, so, um, that's a big thing is it's a very personalized touch. And then, as you said, Working with a higher net worth individual and less of them, I have more time to really dive in, help them with all the different areas of planning, which I guess kind of goes into, um, I'm a certified financial planner, CFP is is kind of the, the letters you would see with that a lot. And <clears throat> so a lot of people think that's just a few letters behind your name, but to become a CFP, you have to test out of retirement planning, investment planning, tax planning, uh, state planning, Fundamentals of financial planning, obviously. 
uh, and, and I'm probably missing something there. I, I'm sure I am, but you test out of each of those areas. You take a cumulative test. So you, you prove that you have uh, competence in all those areas. And so that's where I, I say, I put, I try to put myself as the quarterback in the middle of their financial goals is um, the more that I talk to people, the more that I do realize that's something not a lot of advisors try to do. You know, a lot of advisors, um, they just want one piece of it, whether it's the life insurance or it's just the investments or it's just however it is. Um, and, and for me, I, I'm glad that I can help people with more than just that. But, um, and I want to be clear for, for compliance listening that I don't offer tax planning advice or anything <laughs> like that, but, or legal advice, but, um, no, we, we go down a lot of different roads and, um, I just say very specialized for each person. So it's a little different. I'm, I'm having a flashback to the NFL season a few months ago, and there was a picture of Brock Purdy, the 49ers quarterback, who kind of got thrown his, into his role after a couple of injuries. And so it's a picture of him and Tom Brady, you know, shaking hands on the field after the game. And, and the caption says, the GOAT and Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> it was Purdy's first start in the NFL, and, you know, looks like he's 18 years old and he just beat Tom Brady. And, and so you joke about the quarterback thing, but you know, and I, I think I saw to add to that. I think I saw that uh, he was actually Tom Brady's twice his age. <laughs> I, I believe that's what I read about that too. So I suppose he went up nice game, Mr. Brady. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I see. He didn't ask to uh, trade jerseys cause he probably would have got the reject on right. that one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So no offense, Tom, if you're out there listening <laughs> <Yeah>. or Brock, <laughs> I'm sure they are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they will be. But, you know, it goes back to that advisory council thing. Let's go there. This is kind of a cool thing. And and this is going to be something that people don't realize. But we're not just coaches to clients. Uh, Caleb and I have teamed up to actually be coaches for financial advisors and professionals. So I'll I'll take a pause so you you can think about that. Kind of blows your mind like, what? These guys are sharp enough to coach advisors, not just clients. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there's the plug of the day. Um, and where we're going with this is basically we, we have advisors who come to us for financial advice on running their business, um, fine-tuning whether their operation is a boutique or a broad-based, uh, hate to call mine a factory, but if, if you assist everybody systematically, probably in too much of a reactionary way instead of a proactive way, that kind of becomes a factory. But there's different ways for independent financial advisors, whether they have staff or not, to improve themselves. And so we do that. And, and we do that in different ways. I mean, there are, there are advisors that are willing to, to essentially pay us financial planning fees to write their ship. It doesn't matter if they're running... Uh, a small book, a big book, or they've been around for 10 days or 10 years, we can assist an advisor with their business because we know the business just like we can help a hardware store owner or a farmer or a retail shop owner, you know, whatever it is. And so Caleb and I have worked together now several years. I think four, right? Four years. Just over four. You know, and, and we do have, you know, there are advisors that, that look out to us for assistance. And we do this kind of behind the radar. We're not out to steal their clients. But it comes down to, you know, a big piece of this is succession and continuity. Mm-hmm. Because if, if I get hit by a bus, 
and I've talked about this before, I need a plan in place for my operation to keep going so that there's value for my family, number one, but even more important for my clients to be taken care of. And that doesn't matter. Uh, it'd be the same thing for Caleb's business or advisor A or B or C or John, Jane, whoever it is, they can team up with us. Mm-hmm. And and so some of those, you know, elect to do that directly where they can even um, use our staff, our collective staff people to better their operation. Uh, and like I said, some just do it for, a, hey, we want to pay you. How do we figure out this problem? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think it's, a, it's a big benefit to that is, as you mentioned, the succession planning and continuity planning where, um, you know, you, you get the question. I'm, I get it a lot. I'm sure you get it a lot, too, where people ask you what happens if you get hit by a bus for by get hit by a bus tomorrow. You know, you've got my my whole life savings right here. So if you get hit by a bus, does that just go away or who do I call? And um, that's something I think it's not a. You and I have both figured that out, that it's it's not something that many people have planned for or, or really put anything in place with. And um, it's extremely important for the clients. It's extremely important for these advisors' families, for their staff. You know, they're going to be without a, a job pretty soon if, if we don't figure things out. So um, that's something I, I feel that's probably been the most valuable that we've been able to kind of try to fine tune and bring to people yep. is that idea of let's have a plan in place and, and try to... And- and here's, here's something that's really cool. And Caleb and I joke about this. If we go to industry conferences for continuing education and so forth, you know, you're, you're in a room with thousands of advisors, literally. And there's this process of, you know, as you meet people throughout the week or go into those meetings, you can get a feel for the ones that you you know, you, Caleb, or you, Corey, would actually invest money with if we were a client on the street. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And and you narrow that list in a hurry because there's a lot of them in there. You think, my God, does anybody do business with this person? But they might have been in the industry for 30 years. So then once you talk to that type of person or make that judgmental call, <laughs> right? If If Caleb or I then share the concept of this advisory council with that type of an advisor, it's interesting to me how it correlates. The ones that you get a good feel of that you would invest with are the ones that will understand what Caleb and I have built of, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to be coached, to have a, a relationship with a bigger organization to know what we're doing. The advisors that you would not invest with, if I pitch this or Caleb pitches this to them, they look at you like you're crazy. Like, well, you must want something from me. You you want my business. Or, you know, mm-hmm. so... You can tell the difference between a quality advisor and a less than average advisor, I guess is how I would say that. I mean, is that a fair? Yeah, Yeah, and not to go too far down this rabbit hole, I guess, or maybe it's okay if we do, but I think it's kind of funny because you hear the analogy in other industries, like the mechanic always has squeaky brakes or the, (laughs) the, the plumber has a leaking faucet. And it is funny to see that follow through to our industry and it's very behind the scenes, you know, because nobody can see those things operationally, but uh, the advisor that helps all their clients set up their lives and their plans perfectly doesn't even have a continuity plan if they have a heart attack on their way home from work today. Yeah. Um, and so it, it is kind of funny because it's a little different. It's not a visual thing, but it's, it's definitely along the same line where they spend all day working on everybody else's stuff and they're never working on their own stuff. I'm having a fun little fun thought all of a sudden. I'm coming out <laughs> of left field at you. That's what I do. Did you know, Caleb, since we're picking on the auto mechanic, we're going to pick on uh, the realtors 
of North America next. So did you know that when a realtor lists their own property, their own house or their own kind of real estate, on average, that property stays on the market longer by a long ways over the listings that they give out for their customers. Hmm. Does that surprise you? Uh, I'm thinking through this. I believe a, a realtor actually has to disclose when it's their personal property. They, I don't know if that would have anything to do with it. That, yeah, see, we didn't prep this. I'm throwing this yeah, out. Like, yeah. Yes, they have to dot a lot of I's, cross a lot of T's, but the real gist of this, is they from, don't. from what I've read, is that they value their real estate either too high or at what I would argue the realistic value of what it should be. Yeah. Because, you know, they're willing to wait for the the right price. I'm probably going to get hate mail from the industry. I'm, I'm getting <laughs> deeper on it. be careful here. <laughs> I don't have any realtors in my immediate family, so Christmas next year shouldn't be a problem. But are you... For, for argumentative sake, let's just say the reason that all their client listings sell faster is that the realtor looks them in the eye and says, boy, I think this should be valued at X. Maybe that's accurate, but maybe that's a little below market value because the realtor wants to turn that property and not have to advertise it so long to get their commission. You, you think maybe they did a, a CNA before they listed the house? The commission needs analysis? <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a joke. Was a joke. <laughs> so maybe the, maybe the bigger takeaway there, and I, trust me, I, realtors do a great thing. I, if, if I was going to sell a property, I'm absolutely using a realtor. I'm not going to do it on my own. Don't want to deal with that headache. They know what they're doing. They're an expert at it. Okay. That being said, I've maybe mended that fence. <laughs> but the point of that, again, and this all ties back to finance. We always get back there. I know Eric's laughing at me over there in the corner. But... There are pretenders and legitimate real deal people in every industry, maybe is where I'm going with that. You know, and so you trust me. I, I think you could pull that back into those conversations that, you know, we have with other advisors too, where um, you tell them about a book of business that's for sale, a gentleman trying to retire or something. And well, that's way too expensive. But then when it comes down to what their book is worth, they seem to have a higher feeling too. You know, it's probably a lot of it's yeah. human nature, um, but we definitely see that in our industry yeah. as well. So, And yeah, and if, if you're a business owner that really believes in your business and your customers, your clients, you want them to have a good experience after you're gone and out of that business. Definitely. And, and it doesn't matter if it's heck selling a realtor office or in ours, but that's where we provide the backstop for a lot of advisors out there, um, both inside of our group and outside of the group, so that they know if something happens to them that their advisor, their their clients, I should say, have have a phone number to call the next day or an email. And we're going to provide our information here in a little bit. You know, just if anybody's interested in learning more about this type of thing, because man, it's important. You know, you work hard your whole life. You don't want to mess it up because you didn't finish the race, yep, so to speak, or the planning race. So. Okay, let, let's go totally off topic. How about, uh, I always like to ask this of every guest. It, it is the famous person question. So I'm going to throw you this, and, and if you don't have anything offhand, you can tell me to fly a kite. But Caleb, who is the most famous person you've ever met, or at least maybe even saw in, in close proximity in your lifetime? Mm. I think the, the first thing that comes to mind would be Tucker Carlson. Uh, from Fox News. Okay. Uh, he was at, it was actually an industry event down in Florida. 
And um, I didn't know he was going to be speaking to us that day. And I was grabbing a cup of coffee and he was right in front of me in line. So I got to shake his hand. But that that's probably the most, you know, there's a few political people that I don't know if they're even worth calling famous. Um, <laughs> they might be on TV here and there. And right. People know their name, but right. I don't need to give them more attention. Um, you know, a few a few football players, things of that nature. But um, yeah, I think. Tucker's probably the most well-known person sure. I've ever met. And I see we're on first-name basis already. I call him Tucker. I see that. Yeah, sometimes Tucker, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I expect to have him and you on the yeah. next time we uh, try to tackle one of these. I'm going to – I have not divulged this before, but so this was – this goes back a lot of years, but my wife and I went on our honeymoon, and we were flying to Orlando, and we had to stop at the St. Louis airport on the way. So we're at the St. Louis airport – just walking through the, the main concourse there, and all of a sudden I see Ice-T. So this is Ice-T gangster rapper Ice-T from, <laughs> from that time period. You yeah. know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, you know who that is? And my wife has no clue who that is. And I, you know, his entourage is walking. Yeah. And, you know, I did not approach him because it just seemed like he would have wondered why you. me <laughs> would walk up and try to infiltrate the entourage. Well, he probably would have known you were after his investments. <laughs> Yeah, right. There you go. So now, fast forward uh, 24 years, this is is the hilarious thing that I find is that, and this just shows aging. So maybe I'm getting more full circle, but Ice-T at that point was, you know, in the news for lyrics and, you know, kind of being hardcore. Now I see him in TV commercials for supplemental... uh, accident insurance and stuff and he's like doing yoga yoga in his studio with people i'm like so he went to a tv career and now he's hawking insurance product commercials it's like man that means that means i'm getting old too (laughs) or you know maybe bigger picture you just got to adapt and and change with life as it flows maybe that's that's the takeaway what you'll be doing in 10 years maybe i'll go into my gangster rap career (laughs) yeah Well, there's a you're getting, You know, you, with this podcast, you're getting pretty familiar with a microphone. It, yeah, I know Eric has been pushing me that we should put video on top of these podcast recording sessions, but I feel like I got to, you know, dress up the room a little bit. Uh, yeah. But but we do have fancy uh, microphones, and we've got equipment that they tell me to turn dials on. I don't even really know what, what it does. But, uh, yeah, maybe turntables and, uh, yeah. you know, who knows what's next. <laughs> Living the dream. That's right. That's like, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I think we've come a long ways, but uh, got any final parting shots you want to throw out there in any any topic, hmm. any question? We'll tackle anything. Uh, how about with, you know, I, I saw that there was a recent article out that Americans now believe they need $1.25 million to retire. And I believe before it was $1 million. Do you, you know, do you buy into that? How do you feel about those numbers? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, Studies like that drive me bonkers, and the media love to project this thing because anybody that would answer that question, I mean, probably doesn't know what a million dollars looks like versus 1.25. Or, I, I mean, and I'm going to go out on a limb and think you're going to agree with me that, you know, boy, it maybe isn't how big your pile is. It's, it's cash flow and yeah, being properly organized. <clears throat> it goes a hell of a lot further than, than having a number on your checkbook register. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, one warning I would issue to just about anybody out there that's paying attention to stuff like that or paying attention to 8% uh, annual return on average if you just buy an S&P index or yeah, there's what some other ones. You can live on 4% withdrawals for the rest of your life. You'll never run out of money. The, I, I think the one thing 
I would I would tell people it's fine if you read that stuff and you want to you know use that as a baseline. But if you have a professional that you work with who's using those things, I would be a little nervous just because it seems like there's not a lot of thought going into it. That's that's one thing we talk about being specialized. And I know even in your practice, you know, you're very good at coaching your clients through these things. Where yeah, I might say that we're we're, we hope to average six, seven, eight percent, whatever it might be, depending on the client situation. But I think what's always important to to also explain to people on the front end is that's not going to look like six percent a year or seven percent a year. It's going to look like fifteen percent this year and negative eleven next year and yeah. twelve the next. You know, it's these ups and downs, but hopefully we're going up more than we're going down. And I, I think getting people's mind wrapped around that philosophy is huge for them to have success with investing. And then, you know, as far as these numbers and chasing returns, um, I don't know how you feel, but I'm a big believer in just goal-oriented investing where everybody's got a different goal. Everybody's going to live on a different amount of money. Everybody has different expenses and all those things. So, um, you know, to say that you should just take 4% a year out of your retirement forever, it doesn't make a lot of sense for everybody to say you need $1.25 million to retire. Um, I have clients that that probably burn through half a million dollars a year and just living expenses, you know, sure. so right. I, I did. It's just kind of a funny thing to see that in an article when you see what we see every day. Exactly. And there, I mean, you're, you're right in my wheelhouse. Cause that's the name of the podcast. What's important now. And, and I'm also happy to report. I just got the trademark for this. So what's important now, financial planning, which I believe is kind of a rhetoric that we should go to because everybody else has always said, you know, plan for 40 years down the road. Now, I think you got to deal with, you know, what's your objective? Let's right solve what we got to solve today, <clears throat> now, and then deal with the next one and the next one. Because if I look at my own life, when I was 22, if, if I'd have said, boy, I want to have X amount of dollars of a net worth at a certain age, you know, if I get there or exceed that, and as I sit here today, as a person in my early 50s, it's not about how much money I have. Any, you know, you might have thought that when you were younger, but you get to a point now, it's like, Maybe you see your, your parents aging. Maybe you see your kids going into different phases of life. It changes everything. You know, mm-hmm. this is not a, a straight line project. Or, you know, and now I'm getting a visual of uh, the game show with Bob Barker <laughs> and the mountain climber game. So the, you got a game where a guy's climbing up a mountain, climbing up a mountain, and eventually you fall off the edge of it. Well, you know, life, life is a journey and you got to take steps and enjoy them along the way. And like you say, not everybody spends the same way. So 1.25 million to one person, right? That next person might need 12.5. Yeah. And then another, again, I won't go too far down this, but another one that kind of cracks me up uh, from time to time, you hear these arbitrary, I think Dave Ramsey is really big into it, but these arbitrary uh, savings goals, you should save 10% of your income or 20% of your income. And if you want to save that, that's great. The more you save, the better. But um, the reality is, is for some of you or some of you people listening or clients or whomever's listening, there'll be people who 10% is not nearly enough. And there'll be people where it's way too much considering how they want to retire. Or, you know, maybe they're going to inherit money and we're not looking at the whole picture or whatever it is. Um, there's definitely, I guess, where I'm bringing that back to is the quality of life equation every day. You know, what's the point of saving and saving and saving and saving and investing, investing, investing to retire with more money than you'll ever spend in the rest of your life? Right. Um, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. So you got to find that balance of enjoying today and still saving for tomorrow. And and I think that's what good planning helps people do versus these arbitrary save 10% or 
accumulate $1.25 million or whatever right. it is, you know? Oh, you nailed it. You nailed it. That's probably where we should wrap it up for today, just because I know we're running short on time. But Caleb, if, if anybody out there wants to get a hold of you, uh, you want to give your information, whether it's an email or a phone or your cell phone, so they can text you on Friday night or call you. No, I'm going to keep my cell phone to myself, but um, unless they invest money with me, then they can have the cell. But uh, no, uh, my my uh, website is coveyrisecapital.com, C-O-V as in Victor, E-Y-R-I-S-E, capital.com. Um, and anything people would need to find is on there, my email or submit a contact form, whatever. So Sure. And if anybody out there wants to contact me or my team or even contact my office in order to get Caleb's information, we're all on the same team here. We're happy to do that. Uh, my office phone number, 800-657-4316. Lastly, thank you, Caleb. Appreciate it. Thank you. Caleb, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for being a great guest. And of course, Corey. Thank you for facilitating this and hosting an amazing show. And I have one last thank you, and that's to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to The Win Podcast with Corey Hymanson. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Corey comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hymanson Wealth Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Win Podcast. What's important now? The show that helps you achieve your financial dreams. To ask questions about topics covered during the show or get a copy of Stop Doing Dumb Things With Your Money by Corey Hymanson, visit www.hymansonwealth.com or give us a call at 712-472-3867. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Hymanson Wealth Advisors and Securities America are separate entities.